now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea, piping hot. So grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. Welcome back to the show. 
It's now official. Incumbent MP Kenneth Bryan has declared for the constituency of Georgetown Central. Every time you see this symbol, I want you to remember Cayman first. Three major things that has to be addressed in the Cayman Islands. Cost of living, diversifying the economy, and self-sufficiency. And when I talk about self-sufficiency, I'm talking about our ability, our capacity to be able to take care of ourselves. Let's focus on agriculture, where all of us want to make sure that we're hoping for the best. We always have to be prepared for the worst, the worst case scenario. Just imagine for a second if a hurricane was to come and sit between here and Florida just like Hurricane Mitch did in 1998 in Honduras. What would happen? I would bet you the shelves would be empty, or at the minimum, 
very much depleted. That in itself should be able to identify to us that there is a major problem in terms of our capacity to feed ourselves here in the Cayman Islands. We have to solve that problem. And that's why if and when elected, I'm going to head out east and see if we can free up a lot of this locked land, open it up for opportunities for agriculture as well as other types of development. And when it comes to farming, whether it be livestock or plant life, I believe we can look beyond the borders of the Cayman Islands. What's preventing us from going to countries like Jamaica or to Honduras and actually owning or buying farms that are already functioning and operating and even exporting to other countries? making it Cayman Islands property. I believe that that's absolutely possible. In addition to that, creating opportunities for our local investors to be able to invest into those companies and other persons through their pensions accounts as well. To me, the opportunities are tremendous and that's my vision. Good morning, good morning, beautiful folks. What is going on? It feels like a Monday, but you guys know <laughs> it's actually Tuesday. This is what happens after a long holiday weekend. Everybody ready? Good morning, Louie, Ervalyn, Charlene, Anne-Marie, Nicole, James is here from Canada, Olivia, Selena, Jasara, uh, Steve, Felicia, Bonnie, Miss Morna, Marshall from North Carolina. Let's get it. Who else is here? James, good morning. So good to see you. Miss Beulah, of course, got it locked in. Curlew says, yeah, not good for me. I love, love to come home. Where are you? Come on home. Julie says, good morning to everyone. Enemy foes, you know what? Morning, all. <laughs> It doesn't matter who they are, Julie. If they are here, it's a good morning. Uh, good to see Jackie. Miss Charlene is here. Richard is here. We have a lot to talk about, so let's jump into it. We do have Michael Miles who's going to be joining us a little bit later on in the program. Now, before Miss Morna start cussing me and saying, where's your camera? Why is it not on? Hold on. Let me see if I can turn that on, child, because she loves to see people face. Um, good morning, Richard. Good morning, Miss Donna. Leanne. Oh, you're stuck in Jamaica. Oh, honey child. How is that? Mm -mm -mm -mm. What a mess. There we go. Good morning, one and good morning, all. How is everyone doing? Ready? 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 Let's get it. So some big stories over the weekend, including... Um, the fact that some Cuban nationals got away. So I think on, we had a show yesterday, by the way. I feel like, um, I kind of felt like we took a break, but we didn't. We had a show Friday and we had one yesterday. So on the program yesterday, we had a bit of breaking news that, um, that, you know, some Cubans had escaped. Like literally, as we were coming on air, we got word that, um, after one o'clock in the morning, the authorities discovered the ankle monitors had lost communication with the monitoring center. Now it's kind of weird. I'm not quite sure how these ankle monitors work. 
I guess they have a certain perimeter that they're supposed to be in, AKA on land. And within that, they're allowed to travel all over Cayman. Are they allowed to go to the BRAC? Like, I'm not really sure what their restrictions are, but anyway. They had uh, discovered that they were gone. And the bracelets showed them out to sea. So apparently they jumped in a boat of some sort and have left and gone to sea. Now, last time there were some Cuban nationals that did this. They ended up in Mexico. The Mexican authorities picked them up in Mexican water. When was that? Let me just look that up. I'm trying to remember when that when that was. But anywho, um, well, I don't know if this exact same group was actually going to try the same route. So this was, hmm, hmm, it was a few months back. It was definitely during COVID, um, as in in the last couple months. So I want to say maybe two or three months ago. Yes, November. There we go. A little bit more than two or three months. Ooh, the time is flying. So on that occasion, 14 missing Cuban refugees uh, decided to leave the Cayman Islands, and they were rescued by the 5th Naval Region, um, some vessel, in, or close to the borders of Mexico. And I think it was actually in Mexican water. So they left November 27th. They made it to Mexico. So, yes, thank you, Miss Josephine, for the reminder. Now, this group of 10 left as well over the weekend. So we told you guys that on, uh, was that Monday morning? I think that's when it, when it was, yesterday morning. So they have um, now been found by American authorities. So listen to this mix-up story this morning. And again, this information is not confirmed by the police yet, but you know, they take their time. Yesterday was a public holiday. So I'm surprised that they said anything at all, but they announced some 12, af 12 hours after we told you what had happened, they announced that um, they had actually gone missing. I guess they figured, listen, if they're already up to sea, it's not like, you can do much about it. So they are, they have confirmed that they've gone missing. They're looking into it, you know, okay. Uh, it is what it is. Now here's where the story gets interesting is our sources have said this morning that they have been picked up by the U.S. authorities, and they're returning them to Cayman. Okay. Obviously, they don't want to be here. And I think amongst those missing, remember the, the couple that were protesting? I understand um, Erica. Remember we actually interviewed Erica Javier. Javier has been, um, <clears throat> he has been protesting. Remember, he's, I think, the father of the little child over their status. And then the government was supposed to work something out for them. And I thought that that had settled it, but you know, 
Um, I guess not. I don't know. So anyway, they're going to be coming back. What do you do with them? This, this is my question. What exactly do you do with them now that they're coming back? Obviously, if they have made this very brave escape, they packed up, I guess, what they wanted to take. I don't know where they got a boat from, but I suspect that means they no longer wish to be here. And perhaps we should respect their wishes, except I don't know where, where are they going? Like, we can't just say to Mexico, oh, take them. <laughs> it's your responsibility. Mexico's like, what? Obviously, if they get into Mexican water, waters and they will process them as um, migrants. But I don't think that we have a choice. I suppose they have a choice to give up their refugee status and return to Cuba. But somehow I don't think that that's going to happen. But clearly they're not happy in the Cayman Islands. And that's quite sad. You know, this is not the land of honey and whatever for everybody. Trust me, we should know as Caymanians, a lot of us don't think it's land of honey either. But on that, um, on that vessel was the baby. So you guys know the baby is traveling with them or they have a baby. And so the child is, I think about a year old. So that young baby is now with them as well, which is like, wow. I always think it's so incredibly interesting when people decide to make a journey like that and they take a young child. So there are all sorts of rumors in circulation. Some people are speculating if they had anything to do with the robbery incident over the weekend. Now, you guys remember that the jewelry store got robbed on, um, what day was that? Saturday. So there was a brazen morning robbery of a jewelry store on the waterfront. So this is the one that's right, what used to be the, um, the bakery building, Norberg's uh, Bakery. <clears throat> so that building now has a jewelry store and some other tourist stores in there. And they got robbed on Saturday morning, I think shortly after 10 o'clock. So I don't know if the two are connected or not. Some people speculate that it is and that jewelry was payment for the boat and the journey. I do not know. Uh, the police have certainly not said anything. So thank you so much. I've got additional sources saying that um, they have found them drifting in a boat. And then um, I brought them back. Hot mess. What that thing? Um, so anyway, um, <laughs> someone just sent me. People are so funny. You guys are so hilarious. The things that you send me. And I can't, I cannot always repeat them.
So someone has just said that the government needs to um, find a way to allow them to leave instead of supporting them. And um, now that they've destroyed government property, over $5,000 worth of bracelets, monitoring equipment, how will that work? So I don't know how that's going to work. They probably won't do anything to them. Um, you know, that's just how, how the cookie crumbles. I don't expect anything will happen. What is interesting, though, is how, do, how does this work? If, like, wherever they were staying, like, those people now, because, you know, government rents facilities and stuff for them to stay uh, at these homes. What if those people no longer feel comfortable having them at their home because now they're kind of like refugees that tried to escape because I think part of their conditions are that you're not supposed to leave. But at the same time, I've always found it peculiar. Like if they have been granted refugee status, who are the 10 that are wearing the monitoring bracelets? Because I don't think that guy Javier has one on. There was another guy. I think you guys remember that we spoke to him and he was showing us his bracelet and he was talking about the embarrassment of having to wear this bracelet because he is uh, not a criminal and he's basically, I think his refugee application is pending. So I'm just curious. I don't think Erica doesn't have a bracelet. Who are all the other ones? I don't know. Um, I guess we'll find out in due course. Hmm. I don't know where they were going. <laughs> Someone just sent me the map of where they were. We'll see once they come back if they want to come on the show and have an interview. Because they don't, they certainly don't mind talking to us. So thank you, Damien. Josephine said their destination is always the U.S. Yeah, I think they try to get into American waters, but they seem to have been going in the wrong direction. So I'm not sure how that goes. But maybe if they get to Mexico or other, another country, it's easier to get into the U.S. I'm not really sure. Like, you know, America's that away, not that away. I think when you're looking at the map. So... Good luck to them. Marshall says, send them back to Cuba. I don't think that that's an option because once they have received refugee status or they have a pending application, then you've accepted that at least they have an arguable case. And, you know, 
they are claiming that they're political refugees, as far as I know. I think that's the only kind of refugee applications that we consider. So that means that what they've essentially said is their lives are in danger if they're returned to Cuba. Now, I don't ever know how they prove that or anything of the sort. Um, I don't know what the application process looks like. We have attempted to get information on the refugees and how this whole thing works. And basically CBC has said, eh, we don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, you know, we just have general questions. No, we don't want to be interviewed. Government, you guys need to get your stuff together. The people want to hear from you. The people deserve to hear from you. And I don't really know why there's always this um, need to cloak, you know, so much information from the general public. So... It is what it is. Anyway, um, that's what we've got for you. In addition to that, a crane and scaffolding has collapsed on a condo site next to Trafalgar Place down by the jungle. There is that big crane that's there. So um, we are waiting We are waiting on some pictures or some confirmation of that situation. So, okay, here's the deal. <clears throat> so it's actually 10 in total, or 13 in total, my apologies, that have gone missing. 10 are monitored. So I think the authorities are more concerned about the 10 that they monitor because they would be individuals that um, have not yet been granted refugee status. So Erica, her husband, and the baby I believe make up the additional three. So it is 13 in total. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that helps to explain it a little bit. Um, what a hot mess. So this um, crane that has somehow met with an accident that it has collapsed. We will see um, what photos we can get. Hopefully something during the show. And we'll update you guys. Cayman Brack had an accident over the weekend. We'll be putting that story up a little bit later on. And in addition to that, they're really upset because their ATM machine has been down for like five days now. So everyone is wondering what is going on with that situation. It's kind of tough because you only got one ATM machine on the back, right? So you have to go stand in line and get money, except the bank wasn't open all weekend. So that has created a bit of an issue. Okay, Miss Bonnie. Uh, Perla, good morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, government, sometimes it seems to me that government is confused about what they're going to do about certain situations because they know that from the onset they haven't really handled it properly. And in their confusion, they don't ever want to talk to anybody about it. It's like off-reg. 
Offreg apparently is very confused about what they're doing with the solar uh, program. And they said, oh, we've talked about it enough. How can you talk about something enough when the people are saying, we want to hear from you? It's like, really? Government, AKA the civil service, needs to take a very different approach. I know poor Mr. Franz Manderson, he's been killing himself to try to create this world-class civil service concept, but they're not ready. They're not there yet. They're nowhere near there, in fact. But I'm gonna tell you guys something tomorrow. There's a story that we're working on that is going to blow your cap off of your head when we tell you this story because you're not gonna believe how your elected officials can waste so much money and yet they're telling you to reelect them because they're the best thing after sliced bread. Let me show you two reasons why you should really think hard about electing any Alliance member and any progressives member. Here's reason number one. And the citizens like you that go wisely to the polls to make one of the hardest choices each and every four years. This time, based on what the other options are, it should be fairly easy. And it will be wise to vote for the Alliance members to ensure that continued health protocols are left in place and not just thrown through the side by those that are seeking office, the wolves in sheep's clothing. We are very well off as a financial jurisdiction. And we need to ensure that the many Caymanians who are suffering are looked into and addressed by this administration. It is your collective and moral conscience that decides who your next member of parliament is going to be. That candidate must be willing to work with the government if he or she wants things done for you and your family in the constituencies that you come from. If they clearly cannot do that, ladies and gentlemen, they clearly do not have you at heart. Okay, so two things. I know that as Caymanians, we have a very unique dialect. Over the weekend, um, the MP from Bermuda, Mr. Thomas Famous, he's been on this program before, did an editorial piece discussing, you know, he thought that us doing the public forums that the chamber puts on were a good thing because it certainly separated the boys from the men, at least in the field of, of being able to articulate a concept the national issues facing the country. Now, this video is painful to watch because, because poor Vincent, um, he has an issue with his W's. So when he says certain words, he actually says V instead of W. Now, is that, a, is that something, I'm trying to remember from Spanish class. There's some, um, there's some words that are, you know, the Spanish alphabet is a little bit different, but instead of him being able to say willing, he says villain. And then he cannot pronounce the word constituency. Now here's the thing. We all get tripped up on certain words. You know, um, I can't think of any right now, but I'm sure there's some that trip me up, if, especially if I haven't said them in a while. But when you're reading a speech and you prepared your speech and a basic word like constituency, if you can't say it naturally, then you make sure 
that you practice. And so I'm always in awe of the people that the progressives will put up on stage as part of their alliance core or part of the progressives who cannot speak and who are incapable. I can think of four of their immediate candidates, Barbara Conley, Vincent Frederick, David White, and Frank Cornwall. They're dismal. They're unqualified for the job. And yet they tell you to vote for these individuals anyway. And the only reason that they can give you to vote for them is that they're part of this alliance team and this alliance team needs to stay together. That's the only reason they can give you. Listen to what they say. And they claim that they've done such a great job that keeping them together at all costs, including electing four woefully unqualified candidates is a good thing. So when I was reading Mr. Famous's editorial piece, which by the way, he's graciously shared it with us. So it is on CMR as well, as in his Bermuda newspaper. I thought on the one hand, he's praising us for even the chamber for even hosting these debates and the media coverage that these debates have received. But it also reminded me of the fact that as Caymanians, we are no longer the island that time forgot. So we are being judged by regional and international standards. And as my good friend, who shall remain nameless because she is a civil servant, said to me over the weekend, it's such a shame that we want to elect unqualified individuals. And then she said, and we have idiots backing them. We need public education. And if people don't recognize the international embarrassment that comes out of electing people like that, shame on us. It's no longer small time politics, folks, where all they're going to do is rake the backyard of somebody's house. Nothing's wrong with that. And some of them are better at that than perhaps being on an international stage. But at any given point, one of them can get a ministry, AKA John John. At any given point, they're now in the limelight, AKA John John. And they're sitting there every single day doing press conferences and press briefings. And you look at this dude and I don't know who was impressed by him, but I surely wasn't. And when people started expressing their dismay at the fact that he knows nothing medical about COVID, His comments at the press briefing were largely about um, other things, you know, saying his prayer, telling people, turn on your yard, stay home in like 50 different languages. That's all fine and dandy. But no one really got the feeling that he was entirely competent as health minister. Now he's going up against Ozzy Bodden, who has been the health minister as well. And ironically, people who have worked in the health industry and continue to do so, who are civil servants have said, listen, make two bones about, no two bones about it. This is like night and day in terms of understanding and engagement at the ministerial level. So, you know, we have to start expecting more of our candidates. I don't care if they're your personal friends, if they're your mama, If they're your daddy, uncles, it doesn't matter. Expect more of elected officials. They should be able to represent us. They should be able to articulate certain ideas at the very minimum. 
Now, here's another reason why you need to proceed cautiously with the progressives. But the first thing I want to say to those of you from Red Bay and Prospect who are asking me, when are we going to have a meeting in Prospect and Red Bay? Soon come. Me and Austin will be there. It is going to be the biggest meeting that we have ever had when Austin and I come to town. So do not, do not worry. Do not be faint of heart. We will be there in due course. Wow. So here we are literally days. Next week, Wednesday, folks. So we've got one week and one day. Next week, Wednesday is the general election that we're all waiting for. Alden brought it forward, you know, telling us that he needed to do that, not to address the Makiva issue. Yet him and his running mate, who were jurisdictionally connected, Red Bay and Prospect are right next to each other. They're split right down the middle. Have not had a meeting yet. You tell me how this makes any sense. They don't care enough about the people of this country to even have had a political meeting. He's the one who called an early election. So if he called an early election at the very minimum, he should be ready. You know, the progressives have lots of resources, lots of money backing them. They can put together a big stage and big meetings. They're doing stuff as a team collectively. And yet him nor his alliance member, Austin, have bothered to have a meeting in their constituency, and he's telling you, soon come. Really? People of Red Bane Prospect, soon come? Is, that, is soon come good enough for you? Michael Miles, is soon come good enough for you? Absolutely not. <laughs> good morning. Good morning to you, Sandy. Good morning Man, to the listening audience. This soon come concept doesn't sit well with me. What is, what... What are you thinking? I know you've had a few gatherings and stuff already. You're a one-man show. You're running as a true independent. When you see people who are part of the alliance, you know, they get the support of this team and all these resources, not even bother to have a meeting one week out from a general election. What crosses your mind? You're also a voter. First of all, Sandy, I here's what I believe. These people mm -hmm. aren't really supported. They're there to make up a number. Right. So Allen don't really care about people like Vincent Frederick. Allen would never even let Vincent Frederick into his circle, right? Uh -huh. He's a number. That's the best that they could do because no one else is going to join this coalition team. I will not vote for a coalition government, much less this particular government, mm -hmm. because I've been in government and around these people long enough to know that it's the same thing that they're going to do year after year. Right. Like mm -hmm. there's there's not going to be any changes to what it is. Right. Here's here's what I want to share with you. I, you know, as I was listening to to what you were saying and certainly showing some of the commercials about um, or, you know, Alan's big thing about going back to prospect. Here's mm -hmm. what I wanted uh, to share with the listen public and certainly yourself. An average salary for an MP mm -hmm. is about ten thousand dollars a month. It could be more or less, but on average, it's about ten thousand dollars a month. Mm hmm which is about $120,000 a year. Would yep. you agree? Yes, sir. So let's times that by four years mm -hmm. because Austin have been in now four years. That's $480,000 over a four year period. Yep. Now here's another shocking, you know, sort of, of a figure. He's also being paid $2,000 to be a counselor. 
above mm -hmm. his salary for, and he is actually in the premier's um, human services uh, um, uh, ministry. So let's do $2,000 for the year, $24,000. For the month. It's $24,000 for the year. Okay. Right? Yep. So, so he mm -hmm. makes $2,000 a month. Yes. That's $24,000 a year. For four years, that's $96,000. Yep. So All call right? it half, half a million dollars for sure. Correct. And I'm not finished yet. So mm -hmm. Austin and the Premier should have established an office somewhere, mm -hmm. whether it's in Prospect, Red Bay, or whatever. They haven't done that. But they get about $4,000 a month to establish this office. He's never $5, established an office. Right? Is yeah, it it's, actually, it's actually $5,000. Is it $5,000? Um, yes, so my dear. I, I actually undercoded. So I... Mm -hmm. I thought it was $4,000, right? So here's yeah. the math that I did. So if, you, if you're getting $5,000 a month in this, so you're looking at 5,000 times 12 is $60,000 times four. So he had pocketed $240,000 over a four-year period. So let's add all of this up, $240,000 plus his salary of $120,000 plus mm -hmm. his stipend of 96,000 over the four year period, $456,000. Mm -hmm. So when I hear people like Vincent Frederick and them talk about mm -hmm. this direction that they wanna go in, mm -hmm. it's about money. That's what this is about. This is not about making any changes because mm -hmm. if you want to make changes as a citizen, you can make changes. Sonny, you started the Mall Road. Mm -hmm. it's, it has taken off. You've you know, it's 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 reliant now on people rely on this to provide news and to hold people accountable. Mm -hmm. People have started a lot of different things for a long time. What these people are doing is jumping in the race because they need to make up a number and they're promised money. They're promised a position and prestige and power and part of a government that that's all that they're going to have. Mm -hmm. So these folks are going to be making a lot of money to do a lot of little. And that's what I think about the coalition government. They're not yeah. going to do anything with substance. And, it, and it's sad because we discussed, someone just sent me a screenshot of our discussion. I can't remember what the date was, but this is a number of months ago when we were talking about, in addition to that, Michael, that they have now given themselves a three-month yeah. severance package. <laughs> so, yeah, whether they're elected, um, retiring, coming out yeah. of public office, whatever, all of them, will now walk away um, if they're not reelected or if they leave office with a severance package of three months. And someone said to me, how long do you think anybody else in private or public sector would have to um, have worked for an organization to get that money? And there's no requirement that these MPs um, have been in there for any amount of time except for the last term, I guess, which is just unbelievable. So in addition to your figures that you have discussed, Michael, add another 30 grand, as you said, um, to that as well. So it is uh, shocking and it is quite unfortunate. I mean, the premier, of course, makes more money than that. Is. And tomorrow I, I did say that I'm going to be uh, disclosing an exclusive story tomorrow and, and you guys are going to have to wait for it because it hasn't yet been written, but I've got all my information together that's kind of related to this whole salary situation. And you're going to be shocked and surprised at how this government in particular has managed to waste the people's money. And yet they wish to sit down and tell you what a wonderful job 
they have done and want you to grade them just on their COVID response. And they're out there perpetrating this lie that apparently um, if you do not reelect them, whoever you reelect is going to be the person to op just fly open the borders. You know, they think that every other person running for elected office has absolutely no sense whatsoever. And they're going to be throwing the borders open and allowing COVID to seep back in here, which I can't believe that people actually believe that, but apparently some people do. And so, um, you know, that's one of the things, one of the bits of misinformation that they are putting out there in order to fear monger and to get people to vote for them. I totally agree with you. You know, you know, when you look at a, someone like Austin, for example, you know, you just played that clip about uh, with, with the premier saying that him and Austin is going to be coming back. Yeah. You know, that people in Prospect and Red, Red Bay mustn't fear, you know, that they're going to be coming back in, in Prospect. What are they going to do? Mm -hmm. uh, what, get up on a stage, holler a lot, beat their chest, talk about all the things that they've done, um, the roads that they've fixed, but people are still living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, is, mm -hmm. is that what it is? Austin have been Austin have been challenged the government on anything. He's made almost five hundred thousand dollars over the last four years. They've made him wealthy. They've made well now I'm wealthy. They've made him rich to his mm -hmm. standard without even having to break a sweat. So that's what they've done, right? Mm -hmm. And they will continue to do that because, despite him making all that money, he still needs thirty thousand dollars as a as a leaving gift off of the people after making almost $500,000, right? He talks about, you know, things like um, we can improve in education. And yet on for the last four years, he never mentioned anything when it comes to things like education. So how do people trust someone like Austin who will simply just be a puppet for the sake of being a puppet, right? He, he, he don't really want to pose anything. You know, he's not bringing anything different um, to the table. And it is a disappointment because I know that people had, people hung their hats on him. He he had berated the government for what, seven, eight years on Rooster. He had called people like Alden corrupt mm -hmm. and, and called McKeever corrupt and their governments are corrupt. And then he says, oh, well, you know, I had to join the government to get something done. And I say to you, Sana, because you've had your, you know, your heir to the ground. Tell mm -hmm. me what he has actually done. You know, he hasn't really done anything, hasn't improved anything, hasn't brought a bill. You know, he was part of the community service ministry. He's bragged that Kemal now have, we, we're now supporting 13,000 Kemalians on welfare. You think he's mm -hmm. brought a bill to reduce welfare or to get gen, uh, people that's been on welfare for years off of welfare? He's not. He's not going to because the more uh, um, the more dependent that he wants Kemalians, the better for them, because as mm -hmm. Kimanians hold out their hand, they can be putting a, a $50 gift card, paying their rent, giving them a turkey here and there. Sonny, I've walked, I've walked Prospect twice. I've, I've knocked on just about every door. 99% of the doors I've knocked on haven't seen him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know one thing that he has done, right? And people and, and it's so it's so unfortunate because... I got to tell you, you know, um, as a person I had on a personal level, I had really, really high hopes 
for Austin. And I think, I think we all did knowing that he was the type of person that would have held the government accountable given his track record, as you said, of being on the radio. But unfortunately, the second he decided to work with the progressives, he had to do what everybody else who works with the progressive does, which is become, uh, yep, become a soldier that doesn't question anything. And um, as David White would say, end up, you know, eating your own vomit Um, when it came to why he was now able to work with McKeever Bush after being a staunch protester um, antagonist of Mr. Bush for many, many years. So how do you go from that? And it's the same mentality. It's like, you know what? Alden is in charge. If he tells us to keep our mouths shut, we're going to do so, whether it's in relation to Mr. Bush assaulting someone or, you know, the things that we've had to say about Bush in the past, or we've had to say about the doc in the past. And not only did Austin, unfortunately for him, toe the line and and not have anything to say, they actually use Austin as a pawn to try to convince people to support the doc. So he flipped the script entirely. And I think, I don't know what, I haven't really had a conversation with Austin about this and I don't know what he was thinking, but I mean, Austin's not a stupid guy. So he must have known that, wow, I'm now being told to take a position in relation to this doc project that is a thousand percent the opposite of what I have previously said for years on radio. (laughs) Certainly, number one, people are going to be like, are you serious right now? And number two, you not just undermine your own credibility as an MP, your own you know, professional credibility, even as a former talk show host, but I, I don't know how people, I don't know how you can reconcile in your head. They can't, Sandy. You know why? It's crazy. Let me tell you why he can reconcile that. Mm-hmm. You and I have just discussed without breaking a sweat, the man have made $500,000 over four right. years. Yeah. You know what a promise is? Dude, if you do this, you can make money beyond your wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. He is looking at retirement, early retirement. He don't have to get out of bed in order to lift anything, mm-hmm. talk to anybody. Why not? It's easy, yeah. right? You know, you talked about earlier that mm-hmm. says that I'm a true independent. Have you seen yeah. anybody on my stage? I don't need anyone on my stage. People are going to vote for me because... I'm outcomes driven. I care about Caymanians. I love this country, but I love our people. That's what it is. My track record, I say to folks all the time, you don't need to take my word for it. Go to Google Michael Miles Cayman and you'll see what comes up. Mine has been consistent for the last 30 years. What I want to do is make sure that Caymanians are meeting every standard of being competitive. That's what it is for me, right? Mm -hmm. Austin and them aren't going to provide that. What they're going to provide is dependency. They sit in ministries that they have power over. Mm. A ministry like social services, we could have improved that ministry. And you've noticed, and and, and, and I want to point out for the people of this country, right? Alan was the minister of education. He -hmm. left that in a shambles. You know why? Mm. Because he decided to build big buildings with open classrooms, knowing that open Mm. classrooms was something that people across the world got rid of in the 70s and 80s. But he still... Arrogant, he mm-hmm. built open this huge building at Clifton Hunter with a lot of open classrooms. And now the school has never passed an inspection. Mm-hmm. So that's what Austin has joined. 
So when he messed that up, he's now over the Department of Children and Family Services and Needs Assessment Unit. In an mm. up economy, an up, pre-COVID, we had 31,000 work permits, and we still had Caymanians making less than $30,000 a year. And Austin brags about, well, you know, we had, you know, 3% unemployment. So why do we need NAU then? If we have 3% unemployment, why, like, why did we have still well over 7,000 people being subsidized by, by NAU, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. You can't say that you have minimal in, um, unemployment, but you still have people making less than minimum wage almost, right? That don't make sense because they have not advocated for the resources. I point out things like, you know, the poor relief law. It has not changed in 30 years. It doesn't say anything. I, I've sent it to people. I said, please make use, like read this to me because this doesn't, this doesn't get anybody off of welfare. It doesn't guide anybody to where resources are in order to help our people. There's no connection between education and NAU and DCFS or, or health or any of those departments, right? Mm -hmm. They, they're not going to do that. And as long as they can keep us divided and disconnected and our hands out, that's what this is for them. So when, when you ask the question, why would he flip like that? It's money. No one with integrity is going to flip the way that he has if he's not promised something. A ministry seat maybe. Chances are that's what it is because they all think that because they now serve a second term, that they should just automatically get a ministerial seat regardless, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be qualified to do this job. I mean, I'm hearing that constantly. People are bringing little to the table. You know, you've just shown a video with Vincent Frederick. Like, mm -hmm. what is he known for? You Like, I don't know him well. You tell me, Sandy. You've known him more longer than I have. What I don't, has he done? I mean, I can't, I can't say that I know him personally. Um, and I don't know him to have ever, ever done anything in the community, really. I think he has ran before as a candidate, and then he's one of those that disappears after every time he runs. But what I do know is just last week, the police were at his house about a domestic incident because he's alleged to have assaulted two of his own family members. So, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, you know, and again, they have no track record to speak of. And, and and I'm disappointed that the progressives, like this is the best that they can do. I mean, when you talk about, you talk about, right, Cayman is incredibly small. We get that. And the people who are eligible to run for uh, office is a smaller group of individuals. But we have some amazing Caymanians who are eligible to run. So it either means that none of them want to touch the progressives with a 10-foot pole. Um, or the progressives just couldn't even muster up enough of, uh, you know, a decent set of complimentary MPs this time around. I thought good. last time was bad, but at least last time, you know, they had some good candidates running. They may not have necessarily gotten in, but it wasn't because of their qualifications why they, they didn't get in. It's because the people didn't trust them. So trust is obviously um, another issue. As Robert ironically just says, you cannot trust them. And trust is, I mean, listen, there's sometimes I look at candidates and I'll say, I will pick someone who is less qualified on paper, but that I trust. And I think that's what happened in Georgetown Central last time. Let's be honest. Mark Archer was the more qualified accountant, lawyer, you know, finance minister, this and that, but people were not trusting him. 
Now, Julie makes up a really important point here as well, um, Michael and others, that let us not forget that it's not just that 500, that half a million dollar salary that we're talking about over four years. We're also talking about all of the other over, under, and around the table deals that they get. And so there's some individuals, folks, who are making some $22,000 a month. Uh, you have a calculator handy there, Michael. You do the math yeah. on that. $22,000 a month, do that over four years. And those persons have these contracts with the DART organization simply because of their connection to the current government is what is alleged. Now, we haven't seen the pay stub, but our sources are pretty good. And these individuals are said to be formerly um, what we would call in the world of compliance, PEP. They're politically exposed individuals. They may have been politicians in the past themselves. Now they're consultants and they're receiving a consultancy fee of 22 grand a month, folks. And it's because when they call the government as a consultant, they have the government in their back pocket. They're pulling out in strings and they're able to tell him, well, this is what we want you to do. DART is gonna get X, Y, Z out of this deal because we're telling you to make it happen. And that will justify DART paying them 22 grand as a consultant. Can you imagine? That because is. the payoff for DART and his organization down the line is gonna be worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. So even when we see them signing this agreement, now I'm not an anti-DART person, so never get me wrong about that. I think the man has um, done a lot of amazing things for his country. He's made a lot of investments, but he's also a businessman. He's a venture capitalist, and he does have a reputation for making his coins. And sometimes that means he will savagely do so if he needs to. I agree. And he will use people. And if our people are stupid enough to be used, you know, I'm, I'm $22,000 a month is a lot of money. That's but you're selling us all. How much is that? That's $264,000 a year. That's over a million in five. Wow. Over okay. a four year period. Yep. Right? Like this is what is at stake in people's integrities. Mm -hmm. If you come into this with no money in desperation, you will sell your mother out. That's just what this is. Exactly. That's not what I'm, that's what that. That's not what I am going to be doing, and it's certainly not what I am about. This has to be about country. It has to be about people, our people, mm -hmm. right? We built the country, Sunday. I mean, I mean, look around. It, mm -hmm. Everything is, you know, even though the, our our borders are locked, we're building mm -hmm. on every single thing in this mm -hmm. country, right? But you know who is yep. not actually benefiting? Kimanians. Right. Kimanians aren't benefiting because we have said to them, "Hey, you know something." If you elect me, I'm going to pay you $2,000 when we get back in. We're not going to do that right now for the 3,000 people that's been impacted in the tourism yeah. industry. We're only going to do it when we get back in. So you need to vote for us if we need it. If that's not vote buying, the process is rigged. There's not a house. There's so many houses that I've been to in Prospect that the people have said to me, uh, Austin, I brought a chicken or a ham or a turkey by um, over this past Christmas. We didn't see him in four years, but all of a sudden he pulls up and he rocks up with a ham or a turkey to, to give to us. Mm -hmm. 
is that what being a, a, an MP is about? Is it what is it the standard of leadership that we want to continue? If people need that as a citizen, I'll buy that in a heartbeat. But the majority of people don't need that. They want higher wages. They want a, a, a reduced cost of living. They want, you know, um, things like rooftop solar. They want us to implement the national energy policy with some integrity and either move off right to the side or replace them with something that's going to work for K-Miners. They want, when they go to the gas tank, that they're not spending $5 a gallon when everyone else in the rest of the world is paying $1.30 for gas because the barrel of gas has hit net, 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 right? That's what Caymanians want. Caymanians want to be able to afford housing. They want to be able to purchase land that they don't have to auction off the first child of, in, um, in their families. It's not affordable. Our young people, nothing has been connected. And I, I often share it to a lot of folks, Sandy. We give out scholarships, and it's notable. We give out probably 10000 10, uh, sorry, $10 million in scholarships almost every year. I, I worked in the ministry, so I know what that budget looks like. And yet, none of those scholarships is tracked by WORC. Work mm -hmm. doesn't know any of those people that are coming back to ensure that they're placed in the workforce. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that we have so many qualified people coming back and saying, I can't find a job. Nobody not helping me find a job. And yet the government is spending hand over fist. You know, Miss Miss Martin sent me a, um, last night or yesterday, sent me a, uh, uh, an advert that a young mm -hmm. man put on um, what's it called? Uh, the advertising firm there, uh, Help me out here, Sunday. Uh, that you can advertise cars and all sorts oh, of EK? EK trade. A yeah. young man put an ad on EK trade. That's where we are at. He has to put an advert on EK trade, his resume on EK trade to get hired as a young person. You know what he said in that? I simply do not want to stay at home. Somebody please hire me. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, why? Every scholarship, work should know anything. Anybody that's on a scholarship should be on a list at work with what experience they have and what, what they're majored in. That before they come back to this country, if they're overseas or if they're UCCR, ICCI, we should know where these youngsters are going. We should not have educated Caymanians sitting at home doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Because you know what, what's starting to happen? The talent that these young people are, they're now leaving the country in droves. So we we now have a major talent pool deficit because they're going to the UK or the US or Canada and they're giving those people their, their talent all because they cannot actually get a job in the Cayman Islands. And I think that that's the sheet that's behind this. Wow. Um, we do have a question here. Let me just try to find this from Perla. Perla says, now that Prospect is developing so fast with these homes, do you think that the Prospect primary school should expand? Many moving into Prospect for sure to avoid the traffic all the way to Baden Town. Let me answer that, Perla. Great question. And here's what I've been saying for the time I declared. Look at who is actually developing the property. 
Most of these people are major developers. Do you know that none of these people actually contribute to our infrastructure? They can throw down a, a $30 million condo complex. Look at just look at just what's around Hurley's. If we add up the value of those five major um, investments just right around Hurley's supermarket that's going to cost, that's causing a crop load of traffic jams around that. You know what they have contributed to our infrastructure? Zero. What major developers must be made to do is contribute to schools. So if that means that we now need to build another school, that's what major developers should be doing. Our sidewalks, our sewage systems, our flooding. You know, Austin talked about he has a he he's done the research, is what he said on the chamber um, uh, forum. He's done the research on flooding in prospect. Mm. You know, Austin to 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 have a degree in engineering or any sort of infrastructure qualification. I don't know of that. I contacted the NRA because so many people have been, you know, complaining about their houses being devalued. So I contacted the director of the NRA because I wanted to understand. I am not going to say to people that I have an engineering degree and I know what's going on. I wanted to be guided. So I went there. I went to NRA and I reached out to the director. Can you tell me what has been done? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing that Austin has been done. He said that he's come up with a number, but the number is large, guys. You know, it's going to be expensive. It's going to be expensive to fix the flooding issue in prospect. You know what he's actually saying? He don't really know what's going on. Because if it's that expensive, why are we throwing down $50 million in roads? Mm -hmm. You know how many roads in prospect have been paved mm -hmm. and not even a proper drainage system is put in there? So you know what's right. going to happen over the next couple of years? All of that tar is going to be eaten off by water settling on it. That's what's going to happen here. So, Perla, your question is great. It's a question that everyone have asked. Should we be forcing big developers to put down infrastructure? Yes, that includes building schools, right? We have this Go East movement, right? We are building now up in the bottom town, north side, east end, and so forth. Why, like, why aren't we not forcing these people to create a fund that protects those protects our homes there that that ensures that people that our people get scholarships that they that the jobs are protected we should be having those conversations i don't have a problem you know with you know with people coming in and and and, and putting down developments but Caymanians must benefit and right now Caymanians aren't benefit let me also tell you something uh, perla that 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 will completely blow your mind as well Every forum that I've been in, whether it's the Rooster Forum, whether it's the Chamber of Commerce, I've just, um, this weekend, I was in another forum at CIS. Phenomenal young people from all walks of life put together another forum that a number of us attended. And they wanted to find out what are we gonna do about protecting their futures? You know what a lot of people said in, in these forums? Oh, I'm gonna make sure that training programs are available and I'm just sitting there, I'm laughing to myself because they're lying. You know why they're lying? I've had a training program, a training center licensed by the government, accredited by U.S. accreditations of almost 3,000 square foot. We have well over 100 plus people running through our center now on a weekly basis. You know how many of those same politicians or candidates have sponsored a young person? Zero. 
of them, you know, how many of them have called me to make a referral of a young person being out of employment or being underemployed or simply needing somewhere else to be? Zero. I guarantee you, if you contact Kimon Career Academy, Ms. Jackie can tell you the exact same thing. Every four years, you know what candidates run on? Training programs, TVET training programs. They promise it. You know how many of them have actually delivered on a training program? None. They will not deliver on a training program because they don't believe in the concept. Not one scholarship have come from these people, not one referral. And yet we have 13,000 people on welfare. We have 3,000 of those people that are just from the tourism sector alone. And not one person have contacted me to say, Michael, I think that this person needs training. And yet they, they consistently talk about training programs. Oh, we just need more TVET programs. You know what they're actually saying, Perla? They're saying we need a big, shiny building that we can cut the ribbon on and that we can take credit for it. That's what they're actually saying that they want. TVET don't need big buildings. TVET needs a small room with a really good instructor to guide people through a qualification. And then the business sector need to take these people on because they're Caymanians and they're qualified. Mm. Perla, they're not going to say that. What they're going to say to us is that I need a big shiny building that I can open. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's all. So that's what I would be pushing for. And that's why I don't have people on my stage because I don't know who they're connected to. I don't know what their agendas are because I have tried to reach out to a lot of these folks as well. And when I sit down and listen to their agendas, I'm saying, you have this big, beautiful manifesto. And I've looked at their manifestos from four years ago. They haven't done any of that. So how are they going to deliver on the manifesto now? You know what I'm running on? The community has delivered for me. Every program that I have ever delivered, any trainings that I have done, any programs I put in a public school system or private school system, you know who has, you know who has helped deliver that? The private sector. Government have only jumped on board when the programs were already in place. When Bonnie and I created Youth Act, to come to, to, to combat youth violence, to combat gangs, drugs, alcohol. We put a team of people from prison, police, and many private sector agencies together. Government didn't sponsor that. Her and I sat out. We raised over $100,000 to ensure that that was effective for six years and consistently said to the government, you have to fund the program. Mm -hmm. That went to the wayside right? Because they don't want to fund anything, but they, everybody wants to complain that we have too much bullying. We have too much bullying in the school system. So you know what we are going to do? Suspend those kids. They're going to come out in the street. They're going to commit a crime. They're going to end up in youth court. And then it's a vicious cycle of, of down that criminal justice way because we need to justify Northward being $25 million a year. That's what this is, right? This is a cycle that we've been in for the last 30 years. And Alden knows about this. I was another forum. You know, Inclusion came on, invited a number of us to, to another forum, right? I was there and I heard Alden talk about, well, you know, I don't think that, you know, the Cayman Islands is cultural ready for inclusion. Bullshit. Cayman Islands have been ready for inclusion for at least 15, 20 years. You know what hasn't happened? They've created a disabilities committee. They've detoothed the Disabilities Committee, they don't have any power to do anything. 
why like why are we creating all of these committees if they don't have the power to make things happen for people all in sat in the same audience that I start at where these women were pouring their hearts up about the nightmares that they have lived mm-hmm. nightmares they can't get access to health care rejected consistently by schools because their kids are autistic or have other learning deficiencies that their schools do not want to put in place. It's expensive. He sat and he heard all of this. And then he said to these women, you know something, you know, just remember that I put in the disabilities um, policy. I put in the disabilities committee and I'm saying, and what has it done? It hasn't done anything like, like it's not, it's not a success, right? So you're talking about things that are not successful. That doesn't so- solve the problem for these mothers now. You know what I would have done if I was the premier? Mm-hmm. I would have said, I give you my word that we're going to fix this. I'm going to call Juliana and John John right now, and we're going to make sure that this is fixed because it can be. Money is not our problem, folks. If the government is promising to, to, to give people $2,000 as their campaign promise, they're going to give 3,000 people $2,000. Think about this. Mm-hmm. Do the math. You know how much that is a month? That's $6 million a month. You know what we can do with $6 million a month? Mm-hmm. We can provide a teaching assistant in every school in this country for $6 million a month. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Mm-hmm. That's like that. Like this is what these folks are saying to you, right? They're saying to you, we don't really care about this sort of inclusion because this doesn't really impact my child. This doesn't impact my family. This, that, that, that's you guys' issue. What we want is more tar on the roads. What we want is a John Gray that's going to cost us $170 million in, over the next year or so. That's what we want because we can cut a ribbon and I can put a plaque on that with my face that says, Ali McLaughlin opened that, Juliana opened that, or whoever opened that. And they can sit out there and smile and for, for, for the cameras. But when the kids that go through it consistently get a level one diploma, which are five courses at E, F, or G with 90% attendance and less than 15 days suspension, you know where they're going to come out? On the street, unemployed, underemployed, broke, and possibly may commit a crime to go into the prison system. This is what they're giving us. And if we continue to vote for the same thing, we are enabling them to beat us every four years. That's what we are enabling Austin to do. Beat us up every four years. And I am not about to do that because I don't like the beating already. And I make a decent living, but I know that there are so many Caymanians in our country could be doing better. They do not have the support and they do not have the will of our people that has elected a government that has no care in the world for the people, what they want to do is trash infrastructure, trash environment. They're going to build on everything. And before you know it, there's going to be a huge complex right next to you that's a gated community. Mm-hmm. And then what? Like, what are we going to do? You know, I had a gentleman say to me, well, you know, I think that you should join the coalition government. And I said, okay, um, tell me why. And he's making an argument. So I said, okay, you just sat here and berated Austin in my presence. What has he done? He's joined a coalition government. So you're telling me to join a government that, mm-hmm. one, I don't believe in their philosophy. 
But Austin hasn't done anything. You you were telling me that he needs to be voted out, but you're telling me that I need to join it because I need to get stuff done. And I've already gotten a lot of stuff done without joining them. Mm -hmm. Do I believe that we need to come together as candidates? Yes, we need to come together as candidates and put our agendas aside and focus on Caymanians. That's it. Focus on how do we move Caymanians forward? Because the country has moved forward. We haven't as a country. I said to the same gentleman, take a drive through Watler's Road. I'm four to seven years old. It hasn't changed. Or take a drive through the swamp or Rock Hole, where Frank Cornwell grew up. Yet the roads aren't paved there. There's no parks in there. There's no infrastructure. There's no affordable housing there. So I'm going to join a government that I know that I'm going to become Austin. There's no, there's no way in hell I'm doing that. I, like, like, why would I do that? Then, you know what, Kim Anand's going to say to me, boy, Michael, have no integrity. Of course I have no integrity if I do that. There's no way I'm doing that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? That's what these people are now trying to do. They're trying to cling to power. And that's it. They just want power and control. The power and control to continue to do what they've always done. And that's what I believe, Sanya, that Caymanians are going to have get have to get hit with the idea that they're going to have to take some risk here. And the risk is moving away from what they had to what they can get better. Mm -hmm, to someone mm -hmm. that can at least be honest with you. Right. That's the least that I'm like, I'm going to be honest, dead honest with you, but we are going to do it together. Mm -hmm. I don't have the time to come in and say, well, you know, I'm all you need is a turkey and a $50 gift card. I, that's not helping anyone. It's going to help you for the day. But mm -hmm. I want to be able to sit with, you, sit with you and make sure that you have a budget, that, you're, right. that your resume is done, that we're getting you back out there in the workforce, that you're competitive, that your kids are competitive, right? There's some hard decisions that are going to have to be made here, right? The government can't bail out everybody. We have too much talent in our country. For us to sit down and say to our people, well, I'm just going to take care of you for the rest of your life. That is not what who we are. It has never been. Like, I don't know where that have come from. I'm not that. My kids mm -hmm. aren't that. Mm -hmm. Certainly, the woman that gave me birth isn't that. She's worked three jobs at times. She can't keep still. She's always doing something to help someone else. Who we are is a community that help people that, 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 that care about who... who the people that we have raised, we cannot allow our children to not be competitive in this stage because what the present government have done is that they have created this work permit system where they're making a lot of money off of it. So they believe that's what we'll continue to do. We'll balance the budget, guys, on Caymanians' backs. We're going to make $90 million or $100 million a year, and they have it in their minds. I can tell you this. This is on a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. This is on a spreadsheet, folks. It's on a spreadsheet that these people are making an insane amount of money off of work permits. And they know if they can top up to 40,000 work permits, they're topping $100, $130 million. But what they do not realize is that $60 million of that goes to NAU to keep us in poverty, keep us on welfare, keep us with their hands out. That's what they're doing. We deserve better. We deserve more. And that's what I want to do. I want to give us more, a fighting chance at more, a fighting chance of our children and grandchildren. You know, um, your daughter is how old now? Four and Sandy. a half. 
four and a half years old. Mm -hmm. I mean, could you imagine when she gets mm. 19, 20 years old, right? Mm -mm. Where are you going to live? Hmm. Right? I have a seven-year-old. Mm -hmm. I, I She'll probably live with me for the rest of her life. I have a 25-year-old mm -hmm. that's trying to find property. Cannot, it makes a pretty decent living. Cannot, there's nothing affordable for her. I have a 21-year-old coming home in May that's on a full scholarship. She's not going to be able to afford property. Mm -hmm. Why are we electing people that's going to give us that fighting chance? And that's all I want from Caymanians. Let me help you give you that fighting chance, just like I've done for the last 30 plus years of ensuring that whenever I am called to put my nose to the grind, that I'm going to get that stuff done, but with you beside me. And that's what I promised Caymanians. Do not just give me a tick, a vote, an X. What I want is engagement afterwards. And every house that I've visited, every one that I've come up in, I've said, we need a district council. I need you involved. I was speaking to a young mom this weekend who's concerned. She has two kids, one, one in high school, one at Prospect Primary School, and is concerned. Where's the country going? She's asking me, what do we get? Like, what, what is my kids going to do? I'm a single mom. What, like, where, where are my kids going to work? And I'm, and I'm saying, good question. Here's what I'm, here's what I'd like to help with. But we need to change the government. Like, I can't change it sitting at Inspire Kim and training every every day, right? That is working. I know that's working. We need to fix the education system. So in the end, Inspire is a compliment. It's not the go-to, right? Parents are bringing their kids to me as a go-to because they're not, they know that they haven't graduated high school or they have a level one diploma that's not going to get them anywhere. And that's the sad part. We need to change that part. I don't want to get kids at the end of the spectrum. We have to make sure that our early childhood um, um, programs are working. Our, um, our year ones and our year twos are working. So what we need to do, hire the best people. Make sure that the ratios in those rooms are five or six to one, not 28 to one. Who's going to learn that way? Our kids aren't learning that way anymore. When you when you are stuck in the classroom filled with kids and many of them are special education needs or have other things going on, how can one teacher cope with that? I, Sandy, I've seen this. I've been in our public schools. As a as a senior management uh, um, leader at Hope Academy, I could not imagine running Hope Academy with 20-something children in one classroom. You talk about chaos, ours is 10. And we have two teachers that we need in each of those classrooms. And that's why the inspection went well. That's why we're ranked higher because we're spending the money in year one, in, in, in grades one, in early childhood, because when they get into middle school, if you're not correcting that in elementary school or primary school, it's done, right? Mm -hmm. You have to do something a little bit different. So we do have a few um, questions and comments. So Sanya says, um, actually, let me back up because I did see one come in from Levon, and I think you should address this. Um, there's quite a few comments coming in, but of course, we will try to get to all of them. So Levon says, Michael's Tactical School, I don't know what tactical means, but maybe you can tell us, um, is sponsored by DART. How can, how can he be trusted? So what tactical school are we talking about here? No, I'm, I'm not. I have no clue what she's talking about because my school isn't my, and one of the things that I want to clarify, I don't run a school. 
I run a TVET center. Yeah. The DART organization, like many organizations, has provided funding, not direct funding to me. What they have done is made sure that the center got off the ground. Is DART uh, is 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 the DART organization a hundred percent funding of this of this center? No. Rotary has sponsored young people. They haven't given me the money. They've sponsored young people coming in. I've also dumped fifty thousand dollars of my own money in it. So I'm not. So I'm. I'm not. I don't know what she's talking about, but you know, certainly if she knows something that I don't know, please give me a call. I'd yeah. like to hear. Devon is a man, by the way. <laughs> oh well, he. Sorry. <laughs> um, Michael uh, Troy says very compelling viewpoint on the failings of past governments. Hopefully, your passionate insight will help change things and create real progress for our people. So, lots of other comments. Thank you, Damien. Damien, sorry. Thank you, Perla, Jasara, Sherry. Wishes you all the best, um, Elizabeth, Magdalene. So let me just find that comment again from, oh, uh, Sanya. So Sanya says, so it's my understanding that you hate to see the people, to see the help displaced tourism workers are getting any help. Um, so is that what you just said? I'm I didn't say that. I mean, I don't think anybody heard me say that. I'm simply saying that if we're going to give the $2,000 to displaced tourism workers, let's help them with transitioning to jobs. We cannot continue to pay $6 million a month. We have to help these people move into another full-time job until mm -hmm. tourism comes back. And I've said Because the reality is tourism is not coming back anytime soon. Correct. So what are we going to do? Continuing to pay $6 million a month? We can't, like, that's not sustainable for anybody long-term, yeah. right? These people are talented right? We have to, like, there's other sectors that we can place these people in. So yes, help them. They're Caymanians. They need help. They need health insurance. Mm -hmm. They need a stipend to get by, but they also need skills training to move them to yeah. another sector. Yeah. We cannot and, allow and it, them to just sit at home. Michael, how many people actually think, how many tourism workers have been misled by this government to think that there is a limitless amount of money to continue <laughs> to support the tourism sector. I'm just like, if you work in tourism, and in fact, the government, I need to go find this clip because at one point, Roy Bodden, him, not Roy Bodden, Roy McTaggart himself said that we may have to start considering a tax system in order to pay for what has happened during COVID. So Sanya, on the one hand, they're going to quote unquote, give you, $2,000, which the premier yep. has just said he will raise to 2,500 or whatever. Right. And then they're going to turn around and tax you on your earnings Correct. because that they cannot sustain it. Free money. It's so not stop free money. making the government lie to you folks. There is no such thing as a free meal, it's not, not even from not your government. And who's paying for it in the end? Someone We're is paying for, pay for it. Us, yeah. We are paying for it. Right. So I, I'm not opposed to, supporting our people. I mean, if anybody who knows me, I've given my everything. If I don't do one more thing in Cayman for the next 30 years, I'm good because I've done it all. I've helped as many as I possibly can on my own dime at times. And I love doing it. You know why? Because so many people have helped me. So when I hear people say, well, you know, Dart owns the center, based on what? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, based on what? 
of your in-depth knowledge of what I do. I don't run a school. I run a training center. Like, like everything else, no Caymanian walking through the door, I can get scholarships for. So you know what I've had to do, Sandy? Mm -hmm. I've had to develop a nonprofit, raise 50% of my time is pounding the pavement every day to raise funds because 99% of Caymanians walking through the door for training do not have funding. But I need them to get the funding. So therefore, I have to support them. I've raised over $100,000 in the last year in just scholarships. We've given out at least four the scholarship and then some, right? We have to do this. So I'm not opposed to helping the tourism workers. I'm saying, let's get them trained. Let's move them on. You know, James Whitaker, I know, was on your show talking about how the government or how Ofreg is killing the mm -hmm. solar industry. You know how many yeah. jobs we can have? Well, it's costing more jobs already. Of course. Like, like we're hemorrhaging jobs. James mm -hmm. is having to lay off people because he can't afford it. He's done the best he possibly can to sustain it for this long. Mm -hmm. We've just signed a million-dollar contract with DART to cap the dump. You know who they're going to bring in to help cap that? Not mm -hmm. Caymanians, mm -hmm. because we're not qualified in that area. We should be ensuring that our tourism workers are trained up in renewable energy so they can actually go and cap our dump. That's ours. We built that. We need to cap that because it's jobs. And when tourism comes back, they go back to being a boat captain. They go back to being a water sports operator. They go back to the hospitality industry. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that you need to stay in construction for the rest of your life. But mm. what if we can give every tourism worker, every one of them, a dual skill set that when mm. tourism is down, they can move on into another industry? Wouldn't that be phenomenal? With six mm. million dollars, with six million dollars, we can train up three thousand tourism workers in at least five or six different skill sets. I guarantee you. I guarantee that any tourism worker that want training with $6 million, we can train them all up easily. It doesn't take a lot. These people already have skills. They're employable. They, they run boats. They can fix just about anything. I mean, I've watched these guys pull down jet skis upon jet skis. They're, mm -hmm. they're technicians. I mean, all of these people are coming skilled already. We just need to get them ready for another industry. And this is what James has been trying to do. I mean, every time I talk to James, I learn something new about the industry. I can offer, I have a qualified program right now that we can offer, that's international approved, that we can train up people in solar. Yeah, mm -hmm. James and I have sat down and talking. He's like, Michael, don't pay for this because I can't hire them. So if you train up people, they can't come to me because I don't have the work for them because I don't have the business, right? Mm -hmm. So these are things that are, are going to be hanging over our heads for a very long time. And we can actually do better. I'm telling you, we can do better. We don't need the Austins of the world to do this. Caymanians can actually get this stuff done. This stuff isn't hard. I've proven it. We should have a training program in every community in this country. It don't have to be centralized like mine. But if we can't get scholarships, if we can't get Caymanians to have grants or scholarships, how do I expand the business to East End that have, have, have one of the highest unemployments there? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, like, how do I go to West Bay that also have very high unemployment, right? How do we mm -hmm. expand it? If I'm constantly spending 50% of my time trying to raise money, and you know, then what I'm doing, then I'm pulling money away from ARC, 
Feed right. our future. I don't want to compete with these um, agencies. Mm -hmm. They're doing a phenomenal job. They deserve community support. Mm -hmm. What I deserve and what Kimainas deserve is to get the training that they need. And I could understand, Tan, if I wasn't, if I was just some hole in the wall, not a licensed center, you know, not accredited. I mm -hmm. am. I am a licensed center. I've gone through a lot to be licensed, mm -hmm. right? I've gone through a lot to be accredited. I've paid my dues for it. All I'm asking for. And I've met with Juliana. I've met with the Minister of Education. I've met with a lot of folks. They cannot give me a document that says local, local grant for TVET. They can't. Not even, a, not even a piece of paper that says local grant. That when a person walks through my door, I can say, okay, fill this out. Let's, let me give you an acceptance letter and let's get this information back in. They, they still can't figure that out, mm -hmm. right? So wow. these are things that I believe that ultimately... We have to help the tourism workers. We have to move them forward, but it cannot simply be about just giving money. We have to help them with skills and we have to help them transition to another industry in the meantime that tourism is being built by. Mm -hmm. So we have a comment that's come in on WhatsApp and this listener to the program says, I agree with him. There are many jobs that Caymanians can do like spa receptionist, spa or salon concierge, um, home store cashiers, but management is lying about the position um, names for permits to be granted for those no-skilled jobs. Like how hard is it to answer a phone and book a client or sell a piece of furniture? I really hope that they can place the Caymanian tourism workers in these industries. So um, a, a number of issues there about Why? people abusing well, you know, the immigration system. Right. But Sandy, I've heard you talk about it many, many times. Yes. You don't follow up with these, like, like these people are, are advertising on the work website. They put stuff in the newspaper. We see it all the time. You know, maintenance person, $6 an hour, 20 years experience. And you're like, really? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, come on, man. And then Elizabeth <laughs> makes the point that other people um, need help, not just tourism sector workers. The unemployment uh, figures are high yet the work permit permits are still being issued. And I must say that every turnaround in the Real Women of Cayman group, you see someone who's coming in, obviously on a work yes. permit. Oh, my husband just got a job. My husband is coming. We're bringing the whole family. How can I find a job when I get there? How can I bring my fifth remove lost long uncle? I mean, it's just at some point it, it becomes ridiculous when you see these comments. Now, Marva makes an interesting point about education that I think is worth... Um, a read. Now she talks about the number of students in a classroom. So she says that um, she missed some of what Michael said, but in regards to classroom sizes, you know, she can confirm that reception students have about 20 to 21 children, years one and two average 22 to 24. But from years three, we're talking about classes with 28 plus. Now, first of all, um, I read many, many years ago, and I can't remember exactly where I read it. I'd have to try to look that back up. But there was something that talked about the single most important factor for children and they're in the classroom success stories, right? There's a direct correlation between the student to teacher ratio. And the lower that you keep that student to teacher ratio, the more successful your children will be. So it seems like it's such an easy formula in my mind to fix, especially when you have a population the size of the Cayman Islands. Um, our private, our public schools, by the way, 
are not closed, and people keep saying this as a bit of misinformation, but our public schools are not closed to foreign nationals coming in. Um, they're It's subject to availability. So if we don't have the classrooms and we are cramping in our own children, 28 plus in a classroom like they're sardines, what will you expect is the end result when study after study has proven that classroom sizes, which it determines the student to instruction and you know teacher ratio is a, the number one marker of how successful your children will be in school. 28 plus children from years three onwards for any teacher to handle is just crazy to me. Well, I mean, so, based on the standard, people are saying that because England is is like England has set that pace. So they they don't there's a lot of people in education feels that that is a typical classroom standard and our teachers should be able to manage 28 kids wow and i have always asked when i was in education would you put your child in a classroom with 28 other kids knowing that potentially they have a learning disability or yeah. some level of sen there will not be and and you know something those people that have stood up and 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 justify this big number you know where their kids are a mm -hmm. proper catholic of course right they they are in the private school right yeah. i mean at the end of the day you cannot say that this is justifiable if you're not willing to actually put your put yeah. your own child in it right so and, that's and I have, um, I'll, I'll speak from a little bit from personal experience michael i mean like you said my daughter's only four and a half years old but she has been in two two different schools. And, you know, one of the things that I've noticed with her last school is when we do our teacher parent um, sessions, they are so much more in tuned to who she actually is as, as a child. And they can make certain observations about her personality and the things that she um, does. Whereas I felt like the previous reviews that we'd gotten, you know, from another daycare center, like we would sit there and listen to what they were saying and we'd be like, well, that's strange because that's not how she's at home or that's not how she is with us, right? So I, um, you know, I, I always take these teacher parent sessions with a grain of salt, having had my own experience where a, principal, a school principal actually said to my mom that, you know, you should put this young child in lighthouse school because she has a learning disability. And to this day, I don't really know what would have been the, the, um, the premise of why that recommendation was made. It's but a default. It's a default, Sandin. I mean, that's what it is. It's a default. Like, let's not it's think crazy. beyond the lighthouse school, right? So, and this yeah. is what they say to a lot of parents, because I get it all the time. I mean, parents call us at Hope Academy and, you know, they write these very expensive reports that an ed psych have or this one have written. And all of a sudden, the kid is misdiagnosed. They're not on the right medication or, or, mm -hmm. or they're on too much medication. Uh, or, you know, they've just sat in a classroom and they haven't been challenged. They're really gifted. They're mm -hmm. just they're in a class that's just not suitable for them. Right. Yeah. So like I see this all the time and I'm a social worker working right. in education. And if I can see this as a social worker and there are people that have that that have all this education experience and all these education degrees and they can't see that mm. something is wrong. Yeah. But let me also make a point here. How often do you know? that the minister or chief officer, or all of these people go into the public school system to look look to see what the chaos is. Mm. I guarantee you that they don't. And when they do, it's pre-planned. Mm -hmm. They come with their entourage and it's come to take pictures mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
to put it in the newspaper to hail. You know, you saw people walking around on the new John Gray site, taking mm -hmm. a lot of pictures, hailing $75 million first phase, right? We're going to be moving in at the end of uh, 2021. But you didn't see, hey, you know something? 60% of our kids are failing. They graduate with a level one diploma and they mm -hmm. actually can't get jobs. You know, that's not like, not like that's not sexy, right? What they want is a building, right? That's what they want. They want a building that they can put their names on that, and, and that's their legacy, right? But you can't put your name on a person that you served, right? That's what I want to do. I don't need to put my name on a building. My daughters are going to be my legacy, mm -hmm. right? That's my life's work. And when they carry on with their own families, I know I've gotten them to where they need to be. That's good mm -hmm. enough for me. I don't need my, and my name on a building. Um, I know we're, we're running out of time here, Michael, but it's also yeah. like last week, someone said to me that Frank Cornwall showed up to the inter-primary sports day for all of about 20 minutes, just to, again, like you say, a photo op. Photo op. And photo then op. he left and he didn't come back. And they oh. said, you know, by comparison, um, the sitting MP, Mr. Kenneth Bryan, was there all three days and seemed genuinely interested, as he has for the past three years, in supporting these children. So, again, the, this is what the progressives is putting forward, that we, the people, should be happy with that type of representation. And they're saying to vote for these individuals. Um, let me just show you something. Again, Marva makes a point here about the Ministry of Minister of Education last year um, saying that there was some $300,000 plus sitting in an education um, fund, I guess, waiting for the mechanic program that did not get started due to the government not working with the company who was offering the program. Let us have a look at um, this comment that someone sent us that was posted on social media. It says, my dear friends, be careful how you bash the alliance. Why? Simple. There'll be at least seven of them reelected and all of these independents will be too glad to join them because everyone is looking for ministerial seat. Four more years of progressives. So that's, that's the logic is that um, at least seven are going to get in. I mean, their logic seems a little bit strange to me, but um, this was likewise sent out on social media on WhatsApp. And it said, perhaps the people need to ensure that any quote unquote independent who turns and works with the progressives this time around will only serve one term. And then another reply said, my dear friends, please be careful how you join the alliance. Look at what happened to Tar and Austin, even poor John, John and Alva are now in life support. The CDP joined them and look at what happened to their party. They are now running as independents. <laughs> yeah. Let them, uh, let that be a lesson to candidates that mislead the public. So the people are saying that they are fed up with all of the duplicitousness and the lies that comes in the world of politics for some people. I totally agree with you, Sonny. And this was said, I will meet with anyone. I've had loads of meetings with folks from Prospect to Easton to Northside to West Bay. I, like I've met with anyone and everyone that's willing to sit down and talk about how we want to proceed, not how Michael Miles want to proceed, how we want to proceed as a country protecting our people. That's what I'd like to talk about, right? In the end, Sunday, this is going to come down to people voting. That's what this is going to come down to. This is going to come down to people voting their conscience and voting for something that's more, something that spells integrity on it, something that, that 
that in the end has an outcome to it, not just about activity. Something that just doesn't been isn't just wrapped up in building a building or or the photo ops that these folks take. It's going to come down to Caymanians moving forward. And that's what I have said to folks in Prospect. If you want different, then elect me. Let me carry on doing the work because that's never going to stop. And I will say this as well. It's not going to define who I am. Being an MP isn't an aspiration of mine. It's not. Being a servant leader, that's an aspiration of mine, right? I want to serve. And whether I am an MP or Michael Miles, Joe Blow citizen, that's what I'm going to do anyways, because it's the right thing to do. So mm -hmm. if I haven't met you on the canvassing trail, call me, 939-1301. Let's talk. You can send me an email, electmichaelmiles at gmail.com. You can go on my website, www.electmichaelmiles.com. All of my position points are there. I don't have anything to hide about who I stand with or who I don't stand with. People have looked. I have been out there since September of 2020. I've talked to a lot of folks. You haven't seen anybody on my platform because I have a specific agenda. I know that getting into politics on it and I need to work with these people, they're going to be colleagues. I'm not mm -hmm. against working with people, but they have to be with ensuring that Caymanians are first, mm -hmm. right? I'm not joining a party because I need a position. Why? If all of us want lower cost of living, why do I need to join the Alliance? If all of us want better education, why do I need to join the Alliance? We all want the same thing, according to them. Mm -hmm. So why do I actually need to join them to have that? for Caymanians, because isn't that what this is about? This is not about Michael Miles and my salary. This is about Caymanians and how we move them forward, mm -hmm. right? And I believe that that has to be the difference now. But if people are joining parties and joining coalitions because they just want a ministerial role, they can have it. Have the ministerial role. I don't need it, right? People have said, hey, you know, I think you need to be education minister. No, I don't. Mm -hmm. If if I believe that it's the right fit and the right thing for me, I'll get it done. But if the education minister is doing their job, I support the education minister. If we can put a second and third person in all of our classrooms to make sure that inclusion happens, I'm all for it. I don't care who the education minister is. If universal health care is guaranteed to every Caymanian, mm -hmm. I don't care who the health minister is. If the cost of living is reduced, that Caymanians could keep up with the pace of inflation, I could care less who that person is. It doesn't really matter to me. What I care about, Caymanians must, must, not maybe, Caymanians must progress now. Not the country, we progress the country. We have the best financial sector in the world. Mm -hmm. We, our financial sector is the best in the world. We certainly have proven that we can build because look around, we are building on everything. So we have some of the best, you know, from, from construction firms to, you know, individual professionals in this country. So we have perfected the art of building. We don't need to prove it to the world anymore. Mm. What we have not perfected, Sunday is how we serve our people. That's what we've not perfected. How do we serve Caymanians? How do we make sure that every Caymanians is guaranteed a job? Guaranteed a job because they're qualified, they're trained, they're educated. Mm -hmm. That's what I would like to do. I'd like to stand with any government that wants to do that. The other 18 people, 
I'd like them to feel as passionate and as prideful as I am about our people. That is what Michael Myers is about. And that's what I am never going to veer from. Job or no job, MP or no MP. This is not going to be my defining moment, people. Because what I've been defined as already is a husband and a father and a citizen. I've represented the national program for many years. I've traveled all over this world. I wasn't supposed to get a football scholarship, but I did. I wasn't supposed to become a social worker, but I did. And I've done a lot. So being an MP isn't a special thing for me. Being a servant leader is. That's what this is about. So I appreciate your time, Sandy. I appreciate people yes, writing in. So I appreciate you give always, you know, reaching out to give me a quality time and being able to speak to some folks out there. Well, Michael, it's always a pleasure having you on the program. Um, we certainly see and appreciate your passion. Good luck. You've got a week and a day <laughs> before yeah, we'll um, we'll know what the results are, folks. Just remember, April the fourteenth is literally right around the corner, and that is election day. So don't get confused. Don't go out on the fifteenth, like some other candidates have told you to do. Go out on the fourteenth because the fifteenth it will be too late. Um, Michael, thank you so much. We really enjoy having you in the program. Um, Charlene says Michael is genuine. He's not speaking. Um, He's not only speaking reality facts, truth, but he's speaking from the heart, love of people, love of country. Thank you, Michael, wishing you all the success. Thank you, Charlene, appreciate it. Folks, please enjoy the rest of your Easter holidays. Please be safe. I know a lot of people are gonna be coming off the beach all at once today, or if not tomorrow, please be safe out there. I mean, yeah. I, I'm so tired of waking up in the morning and, and seeing trees trying to climb, uh, mm. cars trying to climb trees. So please, let's come off the beach safely. Let's get back to work safely. And I'll see you guys next week as we move this country forward. Thank you. appreciate your time. Okay, my dear. Good stuff. All right, folks. So that's another segment with Mr. Michael Miles. He is a candidate for the District of Prospect. And also in that district um, is sitting MP, Mr. Austin Harris, who I think has got a problem on his hands and Sabrina Turner, who's also running um, as an independent candidate. So just want to remind you all that we do have all day long election coverage coming up. And now get ready for a full day of election coverage, including historical analysis, candidate bios, polling station coverage, and much more. Eight commentators covering over 50 years. Audience participation makes it your most interactive resource on Election Day. Don't miss it. Yes, 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 folks. We got everyone from uh, Craig Marin to Roy Bodden. We've got Karen Thompson. We have Troy Leacock. Um, it is going to be a full and wonderful lineup. We even have Mr. Famous joining us from Bermuda. Um, so that should be incredibly interesting. Jevy is going to be here um, and Ruth Anna Young. So Craig Marin, that's eight of us giving you all day coverage. Plus, we will be checking in at every single polling station, folks. So you don't want to tune into any other resource for your election day coverage. Just make sure that you know that we're going to be bringing it to you all day long. I'm super excited. Um, I don't drink coffee, but Lord knows that that day I might have to have a little cup of mocha or something just to stay, make sure that I'm staying on top of things. 
Um, so big shout out to Mr. Elias Solomon. Um, here is one of his paid adverts that he uh, is saying that these are issues that you, the people, need to be very mindful of. There's three major things that has to be addressed in the Cayman Islands. Cost of living, diversifying the economy, and self-sufficiency. And when I talk about self-sufficiency, I'm talking about our ability, our capacity to be able to take care of ourselves. Let's focus on agriculture, where all of us want to make sure that we're hoping for the best. We always have to be prepared for the worst, the worst case scenario. Just imagine for a second if a hurricane was to come and sit between here and Florida, just like Hurricane Mitch did in 1998 in Honduras. What would happen? I would bet you the shelves would be empty or at the minimum very much depleted. That in itself should be able to identify to us that there is a major problem in terms of our capacity to feed ourselves here in the Cayman Islands. We have to solve that problem. And that's why if and when elected, I'm going to head out east and see if we can free up a lot of this locked land, open it up for opportunities for agriculture as well as other types of development. And when it comes to farming, whether it be livestock or plant life, I believe we can look beyond the borders of the Cayman Islands. What's preventing us from going to countries like Jamaica or to Honduras and actually owning or buying farms that are already functioning and operating and even exporting to other countries, making it Cayman Islands property? I believe that that's absolutely possible. In addition to that, creating opportunities for our local investors to be able to invest into those companies and other persons through their pensions accounts as well. To me, the opportunities are tremendous, and that's my vision. My name is Ori Marin, and I'm here to talk a bit about uh, my dear friend and colleague, um, Ulrich Lindsay. We both uh, are attorneys at Law in the Cayman Islands. It's initially how we met through um, legal practice, but we've also come to um, become friends and also um, have worked together a bit in um, seeking to uh, construct remedies and solutions that can help the Cayman Islands and its people, in particular also um, Georgetown South uh, constituents. Um, Mr. Lindsay is uh, somebody who I've found to um, exhibit characteristics of honesty, integrity, hardworking, um, he's very driven, he's honest, and he's very intelligent and capable of uh, tackling the issues that we need in our um, upcoming uh, MPs in the next election who are elected. Now, I would uh, also like to say that uh, Mr. Lindsay is somebody who I would say to you, do your homework. If you want, trust but verify. Um, I would. Uh, just say that this is an absolute honor and pleasure for me to um, provide my endorsement and support for Mr. Lindsay in the next election, and I hope you all do the same. God bless you all. God bless the Cayman Islands and our people. Thank you so much. Miracle Brokers International is Cayman's premier source for all your packing, moving, and logistics needs. Whether it's moving a baby grand piano for a concert or moving halfway around the world, we have you covered with our team of local and international experts. 
MBI has over 30 years of industry experience and are able to get the job done for you right the first time. Contact us today for all your packing, moving, shipping, and logistics needs at 949-5989 or email info at miraclebrokers.com. All right, folks. So um, someone is asking about coverage for the BRAC. We will do our best. Now, I don't know. (laughs) The BRAC candidates sometimes don't always respond when we send them messages and we try to get them on the program and so forth. Um, I don't know if it's just slow internet or what's going on over there, but we will definitely include them if they're willing to be included. Um, So yes, we are three islands, um, Little Cayman and Cayman BRAC, as well as Grand Cayman, and we don't exclude anyone. And um, in terms of polling station, you know, we will be working directly with the candidates to ensure that they are available or they at least have an agent who's available to check in with us. So the short answer is yes. We are hoping that the BRAC candidates will make themselves available. This does require them participating, folks. So there's only so much that we can do, but we do want to be inclusive of all three islands as well. So leaving you again with what I'm calling uh, painful Vincent Frederick comments and Alden saying, meeting soon come. And the citizens like you that go wisely to the polls to make one of the hardest choices each and every four years. This time, based on what the other options are, it should be fairly easy. And it will be wise to vote for the Alliance members to ensure that continued health protocols are left in place and not just thrown through the side by those that are seeking office, the wolves in sheep's clothing. We are very well off as a financial jurisdiction and we need to ensure that the many Caymanians who are suffering are looked into and addressed by this administration. It is your collective and moral conscience that decides who your next member of parliament is going to be. That candidate must be willing to work with the government if he or she wants things done for you and your family in the constituencies that you come from. If they clearly cannot do that, ladies and gentlemen, they clearly do not have you at heart. But the first thing I want to say to those of you from Red Bay and Prospect who are asking me when are we going to have a meeting in Prospect and Red Bay, soon come. Me and Austin will be there. It is going to be the biggest meeting that we have ever had when Austin and I come to town. So do not, do not worry. Do not be faint of heart. We will be there in due course. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmorrowroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings. 